the worship was so amazing. Carrie, oh, that first song, it's, um, as Aaron and I were uh, praying this morning, I just felt like God's word for this morning was have people's ears open and their eyes open. And we walk in and we start singing that. I'm like, wow, you really do have it all together, don't you? You know? Um, and I just felt like, you know, um, even during during the um, worship time, I had this picture of um, <laughs> I had this picture of uh, Star Trek. So I, I kind of like Star Trek. I know Mark talks about Star Wars, so I'm going to bring Star Trek into this. And um, I, I just saw the picture of the the latest movie and the beginning scene there on this planet. And and really, the prime directive is to do no harm. You know, not get involved in the culture and change anything. And and I just, as we were worshiping, I just heard God say, you know, that's, that's what I want my people to do is do no harm. And, um, you know, we have an enemy whose prime directive is exactly the opposite. And his, his prime directive is to do harm. And so as we're, we're doing all of these teachings on um, hope restored, I just really feel like, you know, if you feel... Like there's been harm in your, and we're going to talk about a wounded heart, you know, and there's different ways your heart can be wounded and, and, you know, judgments and soul ties and parental inversion. There's all these things. And, and it can even feel, I even felt like, oh, it's a little overwhelming. There's so much that could be bad. And God, but God says, yeah, but I got it. And, and his, his, um, offer to us is freedom, you know? And, and so, um, so today I'm talking about um, parental inversion. So I'm going to start with a, a little story. My earliest memory, um, am I loud or is this good? That's good. Okay. So my earliest memory is of being two years old. I um, actually remember being two years old in my kitchen, and I remember sitting in a high chair, a little dining room. Um, I was sitting in the high chair, and my dad was there, and my dad is deaf, and my mom is... Well, she's deaf now, but she was hard of hearing. And so um, I was sitting there, and the phone rang. Now, this is way before our lives now, so go back with me in time. I'm not going to tell you how much time, but go back with me a little while. And there's no computers. There's no cell phones. There's only the rotary dial with the cord on the wall, okay? So the phone's ringing. And the dog is running back and forth. And I looked at my dad, and I pointed to the phone. And he said, he went over. He's completely deaf. He went over, picks up the phone, and says, Hello, Joanne, it's my mom, had a baby boy. Everybody's fine. And hung up the phone. And so you're like, oh, that, that's pretty good there, Kathy. <laughs> well, it, it turns out that his aunt and uncle were calling to ask my mom how she was doing. And, um, and so the message got relayed that the baby had been born, my brother had been born, and it was great. And that little clip of my, my childhood is oh, uh, a picture into the fact that I was a part of my family and helping in a way to serve my family. And my dad had, a, you know, he couldn't hear. And so I was able to help, you know, him and, you know, um, so he could answer the phone. And those are, that's a right thing for us to serve one another and our families. You know, the Bible talks a lot about serving one another, laying down your life for your friends. In Galatians 5.13, it says, serve one another. Um, Matthew 23.11, Jesus says, the greatest among you will be the servant. And so that is, that is a wonderful thing to do. And, and as I was growing up... Um, 
my parent, my parents being deaf brought some challenges to our family, like they couldn't use the phone. Um, and so, you know, I ended up doing a little bit of translating for them. And from the time I was really little until I was about 12, I, I mean, we had the, you know, the model little family. My dad went to work. My mom stayed home. She baked cookies. When we came home from school, we had a little snack. We had to get together as a family. Now, my dad was uh second or he worked second shift so he wasn't there but on the weekends I remember we'd go camping um the one I guess it was positive didn't feel very positive to me but my mom made clothes and so my sister and I got to wear matching outfits you know I'm I'm not sure that I loved that but um there was this one purple one that there's still a picture of that one um but uh so, you know, seeing, you know, just thinking about my family in that vein, it was a good thing. Now, I'm going to talk to you about my experience from my childhood view. So I'm going to tell you the story of what happened next from my 12-year-old's perspective. Now, being a lot older than 12 now, I can look back and see the situation a little more clearly, but... Um, but it's important to understand how the 12-year-old viewed the situation. And now I look back and I can see that what had really probably happened, and I won't know, if, you know until I get to heaven if I bother to ask God, is that my mom probably suffered from clinical depression. And um, she was sick quite a bit. And uh, knowing that now does not help that 12-year-old. So um, I'm going to back up and go. So here I am at 12. My dad's working second shift, and my mom is sick a lot. She can't get out of bed sometimes. She goes to the doctor a lot. And I had two siblings. I have a brother who's two years younger and a sister who's five years younger. And I started to cook. I started to help with the, you know, things around the house. I did a lot of answering the phone calls and helping them try to negotiate with, you know, a car dealer. And, and, and honestly, I don't remember a lot of that. And I, I think the older you get, you kind of go, yeah, that's not real important stuff. So at least I'm hoping. <laughs> um, so, so here I am, 12. I'm starting to cook. I'm starting to take care of things. And, and uh, in the years that came, my sister told me about things that happened. Like I went to parent-teacher conferences. Um, and I, at pivotal moments of a girl's life, um, different times, that I was the one who helped her in situations, whether it be getting ready for, you know, prom or, or um, she's sick and needing care. I was the one who did that. And so as a 12-year-old, I stepped into this place of super responsibility. You know, I, I'm doing things for my siblings, taking care of myself, and... Um, the problem with doing that is my heart was doing it out of some, or it started to be wounded. You know, here I went from having a mom who took care of everything to she's not able to. And I, you know, so that hurts. And so then I start taking care of myself and, and then I start taking care of my siblings and now I'm super responsible and I can do these things. And, and about... 16, my mom kind of looked around the situation and went, whoa, this is not good, and tried to regain control of the household. But by that point, I had tasted a little too much freedom, and rebellion came in, and thanks anyway, you're not going to tell me what to do. I mean, I've been running this house. I know how this works. I can take care of myself, and you're not going to 
you know, tell me what to do. And out of that comes something that the Bible doesn't support. And that is me usurping her role as a mother. I was not honoring her by telling her, really, I'm going to take care of myself. I remember, um, I do remember in high school, on about a daily basis, having an argument with my mother and crying before I went to, to school. Now, as a 12-year-old's perspective, all I could see was how harsh and mean my mother was. And um, I look back now and I can just see somebody who's going, wow, this is out of control and I need to, she's going to get in trouble. And and I did get in plenty of trouble. And um, so that whole process that I just described of me taking over my mom's job and raising myself and my siblings, it's what we call here at our church and a lot of um, circles with counseling is parental inversion and it's um where people you know as children they take on the role of a parent and now there are legitimate reasons for that i mean there sometimes there's you know out of that serving your family you know a parent gets sick or someone dies or there's a divorce that happens and you step up to help but when you're helping or serving and you're doing it out of a wounded heart out of pain or disappointment, resentment or judgment, it doesn't turn out well. It just doesn't. And, um, and the other thing that happens is there is a death, and it's the death of your childhood. What was supposed to be, you know, you being taken care of and being free to be a kid is stolen away from you. And uh, and the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12:14 that children shouldn't look out for their parents, but parents should look out for their children. And um, a couple uh, a week ago, I was had been preparing for this message, and I was been thinking about it. And and uh, my grandson was over, and um, Aiden is six years old, and he has a little sister, Hannah, who's four. And we were playing in the pool. And um, Aiden's, uh, my daughter is a single mom, so she's got these two kids. And uh, it turned out that Aiden um, was just by himself. He was at our house. And uh, he was playing with my boys, Kevin and Caleb, his uncles. And I could just see him, like, wanting to be this big, you know, like, big shot like they are, you know. And they were playing these games. And he was taking a blow, you know, with all the, yeah, I can do it. I, I won't be hurt, you know. And, and uh, there was one time he actually, I was like, ooh. And he's like shaking, shaking it off, you know, because he wants to be the tough guy. And, and, um, and I saw, you know, very well-meaning people, very, and even me, <laughs> will say things that, um, you know, our words are powerful. Our words are very powerful. A couple of weeks ago I, I shared, um, you know, God spoke the world into existence. We know that, right? That's what we believe. God spoke the world into existence. And he also created us in Him, his image. And if there's power in his words, there is power in your words. What you say matters. And I could see my grandson, and I, I, I could see you saying, Okay, now, you're the man of the house. you got to help take care of your mommy. Now, that little six-year-old go, Oh, yeah, i gotta, I got to take care of my mommy. i got to help out around the house. And what would a six-year-old know about taking care of anybody? What does a six-year-old know about running a house? And... 
and I and and this is where something that can't, Pastor Cameron had talked about, and and fear can enter in because a six-year-old can't do that. So he's like, oh, what do I? I can. Well, maybe I could do this. And and when fear comes in, the prime directive of the enemy is to come in and say, oh. Well, the family doesn't have a dad, so you're going to have to step up. Boy, how are you going to do that? And what does he offer? uh, The enemy offers his solution to when you're afraid and ashamed. And he says, you should control. That's what you should do. Don't let things get crazy in your house. It shouldn't be chaotic. You better make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's how how you can stop being afraid. And... um, The truth is that God is in control, right? God is in control. And when things are out, not not okay, we can go to God and say, okay, what is your perspective? But a six-year-old may not know that, may not know that God could be their source. And um, so in in parts into this child, shame, fear, and control. And um, the problem is, that whole cycle and them, you know, him serving his family, me serving my family, taking care of my brother and sister, is still a sin. That's a really hard sin to hate because you're doing it out of service. The problem is the root of that service comes out of hurt. Now, if it came out of a whole heart, out of love, and I'm going to serve you, it wouldn't end up in control. But when there's woundedness, the only way you can, it comes out of striving, and God doesn't want, I mean, it says in the Bible, you know, to see striving. That is not a fruit of the Spirit. And, um, and the other thing is, you know, a child, you know, Aiden, me, we're not, at six years old, at 12 years old, we're not adults. We don't have the life experience to know some things are just going to be messed up and there's nothing you can do about it. To a child, you're dealing with adult responsibility, but you have no frame of reference on how to do that. Okay? Um, you also learn some things, and I learned a lot of things. I learned that home is not a place of rest. It is not a restful place. It is where you strive because you want to keep chaos at bay. Where you try to control everything and everyone so everything can be in order. Um, Super responsible. Take responsibility. Oh, oh, my sister screwed up. That's my fault. I I should have done that. Oh, someone else did this thing. Oh, you know what? It's really my fault because I, 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 I should have been a better, I should have done this differently. I, that, that responsibility for everybody else's actions is on me. Um, that, I told you, you can't rest at home, but you're so tired. You're just like, you're striving and striving and striving and, and you're just exhausted, but you know you've you got to keep going. You just have to. Um, even in social situations, and uh, I just... This, this just happened not too long ago. You know, in a social situation, I went to a friend's house, and, and um, she wasn't quite prepared for everything, you know, and she was like a little bit, you know, kind of running around. And um, a healed heart could go, oh, you want me to help you out? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Could you do this? Great. A wounded heart come in and, oh, my gosh. It's not ready. Oh, you, oh, you're right. I should help you. I should come in and save you. 
Do you see? I mean, it doesn't, it's a lot more subtle than that, but that's what the heart is saying. That's what the, you know, the, the fear comes in and there's, there's that, I, I, I must help control because I'm not exactly sure why, you know, if you follow that all the way through, dinner doesn't get served at six, it gets served at six ten, you know, but to someone who's struggling with control, that's not okay. You know, we, we wouldn't want appearances. We wouldn't, we wouldn't want our shame to shine through, you know, they, they apply shame to that. Even though there's nothing to be ashamed of, they apply that there. Um, feel super guilty about just enjoying life. Like, take a day off. Wow, take a day off. No, no. If I take a day off, then I have to get this, this, and this done, and that, and that, and that. And I remember when I first became a Christian, and they said, I'm supposed to spend time with the Lord. I'm like, well, that's kind of a waste. i got other things to do. You know, because that relationship isn't isn't a key it's the control you know make everything look good and um and needing to everything look good can kind of lead to and and uh i I know we all know these people and uh, is um something called a martyr now there is martyrs that are are absolutely amazing and the bible is full of people who stood on it a martyr is i looked up the definition a person who sacrifices something of great value and especially life itself for a principle now a martyr uh, somebody whose principle that they are defending they're willing to lay their life down would be you know what god is who he says he is jesus christ is the son of god i'm going to you can slay me i will not renounce that that is absolutely a right thing and someone who dies for that would be a martyr but in this situation the person um the principle the person is defending is control i'll be willing to sacrifice things of great worth even relationships as long as my control stays in place I lay down my life. I'll kill myself and be so exhausted I can't do anything to maintain control. See how that could be? That's really opposite. That's really not what God is asking. Um, people who struggle with this have an unreasonable fear that the family will fall apart, that they don't trust anybody to take care of things. You know what? I, it, martyrdom. I, I'll just do it myself. It's going to get messed up, so I just need to do it myself. I'll just take care of it. Or um, in the family dynamic, not allowing people to learn by making mistakes. Because mistakes, that's chaos. <laughs> that, that, that we can't do that. We can't, we can't allow people to make mistakes. Even in husband or spouse relationships, not allowing the other person to make some mistakes and grow into who God has called them to be, you end up controlling that person. And... Um, and then you end up with enablers and, you know, all kinds of things because you're so worried about keeping that the chaos away and staying in control. Um, but the interesting thing is people who are like this, especially control freaks, are in complete denial. I don't control anything. I don't, has anybody ever met somebody who is a control freak but says they don't have a problem? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So denial is huge. You can say, well, don't you think, no, of course I'm not. And the problem is, remember the enemy that I talked about, he, you know, his prime directive to do harm? He also blinds us. I, I, you don't have a problem. 
Uh, there's no problem. You're not, you're not controlling anybody. All you're doing is making sure there isn't chaos. Chaos is bad, right? God says chaos is bad. So he comes in and blinds you. Um, another, another thing that's... As I was researching this even more, and I was finding things about myself, oh my gosh, I do that too, was the inability to feel. Now, I happen to be a super emotional person. However, when a crisis happens, I can turn off my feelings, go super logical, give people advice, but have no heart connection. And have you ever had somebody who's just given you advice and you know that they really have no heart behind it, that there isn't any love in it, do you receive that? Nah, not so much. So here's this problem. I'm, I'm giving out, you know, well, if you just did this, and there's no heart, well, they aren't going to take it. They aren't going to receive it. And, and now I'm like, oh, well, see, that's what's going to happen. You know, chaos will happen. And, um, and, uh, and and they can't even they can't even recognize that they're disconnecting their heart from the relationship. Um, but so all that's really bad. But with God, there's freedom. You know, God says there's freedom. God gives us freedom. And for me, um, you know, freedom in in this whole series. You know, I'm just thinking about how the world operates. The world. You know, it's, you know, offering control and, you know, do this and do that. And, and, you know, and it just comes out to striving. But with, with God, there's freedom. And what happens is the closer we get to God, the more we get restored. Now, for, for me, um, what happened in that, um, to get free, I had been coming to church a long time. I'd been a Christian a long time. And, um, we used to do these potlucks. And one of the things that a person who who struggles with parental inversion, you know, their picture of authority has been given to them by their father and mother. And so my picture of authority was, well, you can't trust them because they aren't going to be there for you. And then you take that and you put it onto God. God's not trustworthy. And also any authority figures... They aren't trustworthy either because people check out. They don't do what they say they're going to do. And um, so for me, I had kind of worked through my issues with God. But I, I, so we were having a potluck right in the kitchen. I was in the kitchen and I was doing some stuff. And Pastor Cameron came in and he said, you know, nice job with the potluck today. And, or nice, I don't know. He paid me a compliment. And in my heart and in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, right. You don't believe that. I thought, why do I think he's not being sincere? I mean, he's never actually hurt me. He never, he's never, I mean, you know, he's never done anything to betray my trust. Why, why would I, you know, and, and at that point in time, I was doing some prayer ministry with someone. And so I walked in and I just said, <laughs> okay, so this weird thing happened, <laughs> you know, and there's, um, I need to clarify the the other piece of, um, there's another thing that that uh, we talk about, which is called performance orientation. So you you work and you try to prove that your um, that people could love you and accept you. See, if I do enough work, then you'll love me. So I had 
both. I was parentally inverted and I was, you know, performance orientated. So here's my performance orientation going, well, why can't I receive a compliment? He just said I did, I strove and I did good and, and I can't even receive that. So I can't believe that he loved and accepted me, but that's because of the parental inversion. And so, um, so we started to pray about it and, and I realized, um, in that prayer, you know, God, God does it gently. He uh, removed my blinders. He, he took off the scales from my eyes. And he said, you know, look at, look at your situation with your mom. And by this point, the rebellion that I had started when I was 16 had continued to the point where, um, as an adult, my mother was a bother to me. She offered me nothing. And really, she was kind of... She just was an annoyance. And so I would complain about her to everyone who could hear. I would say how I wasn't taken care of as a child because my mother just checked out. I was... Wow. I was completely dishonoring of my mother. And, and in, a, in a very justified way. And, um, and God showed me this. And I was like, wow, how could I be so loving to, to the stranger on the street and yet withhold so much from my own mother? And um, so the process, which you should all be familiar with by now, because we've talked about it in so many circumstances, was for me to confess my sin, repent. And here's the one that's a little different for people who are apparently inverted is to resign from control. Is to say, you know what? I resign. I am not in charge. I am not. I am going to let God be in charge. I am going to let him take the driver's seat. And I'm just going to go wherever he, he tells me to go. And that, that particular uh, scenario happened right about, it was in May. And Mother's Day was coming up. And I, I just felt like the Lord said, and this doesn't always happen, but I just felt like the Lord said, you need to, you know, repent to your mother. And so I got a Mother's Day card that was very sweet. And, and that, that in itself was really difficult because I remember always picking out Mother's Day cards. You know, Mother's Day cards are a lot of, you know, you were always there for me. You always did this and you were amazing. And, and I just could not feel any connection with not one Mother's Day card. And that year, I just could see them in a completely different light. And I wrote in there, you know, Mom, I am sorry that I wasn't a better daughter. I am proud to be your daughter. Thank you for all the love that you've given me. And you know, something broke. (laughs) That was 10 years ago. And something totally changed in me. And I had to, you know, keep checking myself over the course of time. But this year on Mother's Day, I called her ahead of time and and said, what would you like for Mother's Day? What would be, would you like for, you'd like to come to breakfast? Would you like me to make you dinner? Would you like me to, what would you like? And she said, I would love for you to come to, or I would love for you to make breakfast. And so she came over and we had a big breakfast. And the whole time I could love my heart healed up and loving, could serve her breakfast and feel so good about it. Just feel like, wow, this is such 
an honor to be able to serve her and come to church going, I am just free. I am just free. I can love her and I can receive love from her without those hindrances. And it has gone beyond that because because my mom's hearing loss and some of her inability to... Um, um, mature past uh, because of her impairment she really her maturity level stayed pretty young and so her siblings even with my help wouldn't make fun of things that she would say or do and um, there's been two times this year that I've called them and said or written them a note and said you know my mom just wants your love and I know that she's, it's difficult sometimes, but she really just loves you. And my aunt's attitude has completely changed towards her sister. And that is a right thing. Um, and and I, I said that I still, I still have to look at things. I still have to, you know, I still struggle with some things. And, and uh, I, I have to resign. Even now, we, we bought a new house. And, and sometimes I find myself striving in the house and I have to stop and go, oh, wait. No, no. It's okay to take time for me and and to relax. Um, And then there's one other thing that I wanted to um, just bring up. And as I was researching it, I didn't didn't, um, personally experience this, but it it is something that happens a lot of times. And so a little girl who's being raised, let's say the dad is gone, or the mom is gone, and the dad is um, raising you know, three little kids, and she grows up, and she kind of takes the place of the mommy, and here's this dad, and we all know that a mom and a dad have intimacy, right, and have a sexual relationship, but we also know that a daughter and a father, that's wrong, so here's this daughter who's behaving as a mom, taking care of her siblings, and looking at her dad going, ooh, shut that down, Okay, we shut down that intimacy. Right thing. That is a right thing not to have that. But what happens is you go for years shutting down. Here I am a mom. He's dead. Shut down that intimacy. And then we get married. And we have intimacy with our husband. And it's fine. And it's great. And then you have a kid. And all of a sudden, I'm a mom. No intimacy with you. Because you're a dad and I'm a mom and I know that there's no intimacy between us because that can't happen. Do you see how it could be? It could be that way. And so it's just one of those things to be aware of. You know, all of these things that um, that I shared today, I... <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to live that way. It's hard to be that way. But God offers hope. You know, he offers freedom. Freedom from your judgments. Freedom from shame, fear, control. Freedom from parental inversion. And, um, I, but I do want to just caution you. If this is something you have a check-in, ask God. Where, where do I need to, who do I need to forgive? Or where did that start and how can I do that process? If you see it in someone else... Just pray. <laughs> because no matter what you say, no matter how, how well evident or how much evidence you have to lay before them that they're a control freak and they need to get rid of it, they are not going to see it. So you can pray that God breaks down the scale or takes the scales off their eyes and breaks down those walls. And he is the one who can bring freedom. Amen. Yeah.